Hello, my name is John K. Mathai. I am a PhD student under Dr. Hans H. Stein here at the University of Illinois. Today I'll present to you some of the data we've generated on the effects that high-fiber diets can have on the nitrogen balance of pigs fed threonine-limited diets. We'll get started with the background. As our feed industry changes, our diets do as well. We commonly see alternative feed ingredients making their way into formulations. This has generally become more common outside of the U.S., but even in the U.S., we see more and more formulations, including things other than corn and soybean meal. And this is driven by a few things, but primarily by availability and economics. Typically, these alternative feed ingredients are byproducts of other industries. For example, DDGS as a byproduct of the ethanol industry, or canola expellers as a byproduct of the canola oil industry. Now, as byproducts of larger industries, these types of ingredients are often much more economical to work into formulations than some of our typical ingredients. But this economical advantage comes at some cost. For one, their composition can be variable between batches, and another major concern is that as these byproducts are composed of the lower value components of whole ingredients, they often contain higher concentrations of fiber than we're used to seeing in feed ingredients. So as a result, when we see more use of alternative feed ingredients in diets, we often see higher fiber in diets. Now this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Fiber does offer some benefits. We know that fermentation of fiber in the hindgut can provide a source of energy to the animal. We know that fiber can have a prebiotic effect on the animal and alter the composition of the microbial ecology in the hindgut, which can certainly have immunomodulatory effects. And we also know that fiber's role in the gut and we also know that fiber's role in gut fill can be used to maintain satiety in animals and we often see higher fiber ingredients being used this way in gestating diets. However, there are certain other considerations that need to be had when fiber is included in high concentrations in the diet. Most importantly is the effect that fiber can have on nutrient availability in the diet. Most literature agrees that fiber will reduce digestibility of organic matter and energy in diets. Primarily, this is because fiber can have an encapsulation effect on ingredients, inhibiting enzyme access and thus digestion. Although there is mixed data regarding fiber's effects on lipid digestibility, most indicate that, again, due to encapsulation, the digestibility of lipids is reduced with fiber inclusion. Also, most published literature has shown that fiber can have a negative effect on mineral digestibility, and this is because many minerals have a tendency to bind to fiber's carbohydrate residues and therefore are not absorbed, but instead excreted along with unfermented fiber. But most importantly for today's presentation, we are concerned with fiber's well-documented tendency to reduce both crude protein and amino acid digestibility. So why do we see these decreases in nitrogen digestibility? Well, there are a few reasons. Like we described with the other nutrients, there is certainly an encapsulation effect. However, there is even more to it. Fiber intrinsically tends to increase the secretion of enzymes and various proteins from the GI tract. Also, over time, High-fiber diets tend to drive increases in total intestinal mass. One of the main mechanisms thought to be responsible for this is the proliferative effect that short-chain fatty acids generated from fiber fermentation has on intestinal cells. And then finally, fiber has a physically abrasive effect in the GI tract, and this can result in an increase in the sloughing of intestinal cells and various endogenous proteins. One of the classes of these endogenous proteins is called mucins. These proteins are secreted by the goblet cells in the intestinal tract and serve a protective function. They prevent degradation of the intestinal lining from the digestive processes, they act as a barrier preventing infiltration by pathogens, and they also serve to buffer the pH of the luminal contents. By definition, mucins are glycoproteins. They are composed of three parts polysaccharide to one part amino acid. The backbone of a mucin is composed of amino acids, and most often proline, serine, and threonine. 
and this is because their hydroxyl groups make ideal locations for various sugars to bind. Now by nature, mucins are meant to be resistant to digestion, and as a result are not resorbed in significant quantities, unlike other endogenous proteins. And so when we have increased fiber in the diets, we see increased secretion of mucins because of 1. the presence of fiber, 2. compensation for losses of mucin induced by fiber, and 3. accommodation of a potentially larger GI tract. And so because we know that mucins have a high concentration of threonine, the question becomes how fiber affects threonine. Based on the patterns we see with mucins, we can assume increased endogenous losses, and therefore it raises the question whether increased threonine is required to optimize production. It's also worth noting that if fiber has potential immunomodulatory effects, the secretion of immunoglobulins is likely to change as well. And like mucins, immunoglobulins are glycoproteins, and therefore contain a large number of threonine residues, so there are certainly many factors at play. Research conducted in our lab has indicated that high-fiber diets can increase the concentration of threonine required to optimize average daily gain in growing pigs. Additionally, further experiments showed that an increased SID threonine to lysine ratio can improve nitrogen retention of pigs fed high-fiber diets. In both of these experiments, soybean hulls were included as the fiber source in these diets, and we'll discuss why that's relevant in a few moments. But to continue, based on this information, we wanted to conduct an experiment to determine the effects of high neutral detergent fiber diets on the nitrogen balance in pigs-fed threonine-limited diets. We had two primary objectives for this experiment. One, we wanted to confirm the results of our prior experiments using more commercial-like diets. The soybean hulls used in our prior experiments are more often utilized in ruminant diets and are an uncommon ingredient in swine diets at best. Secondly, we hope to potentially quantify the effect of fiber on the threonine requirement. For this experiment, we used 96 growing gilts of about 29 kilos body weight and housed them in metabolism cages. This allowed us to complete total collection, that is, total fecal and urine collection. These pigs were fed experimental diets for 7 days as an adaptation, and the total collection was for 5 days following the adaptation period. The experiment was set up as a randomized complete block design with 12 treatments and 8 replications per diet. The diets were prepared in a 3 by 4 factorial arrangement. That is, we had 3 levels of neutral detergent fiber in the diets, 6%, 11%, and 15% as analyzed. Then within each level of fiber, there were 4 treatments with increasing SID threonine to lysine ratios from 0.45 to 0.60. To increase the levels of fiber in the diets, a combination of corn DDGS and wheat middlings were used. In our 6% NDF diets, there was no added corn DDGS or wheat mids, but 30% cornstarch. For our 11% NDF diets, we added 15% corn DDGS and wheat mids at the expense of cornstarch. For our 15% NDF diets, we added 30% corn DDGS and wheat mids, completely replacing cornstarch. Corn DDGS and wheat mids were always included in a 2 to 1 ratio, respectively. Pigs were fed at 3.2 times their maintenance requirement. Now if we jump to our results, we will start with the nitrogen excreted in the urine, in grams over a period of 5 days. On the left side of the x-axis, we have our low NDF diets. In the middle, we have our medium NDF diets. And on the right, we have our high NDF diets. So looking here, we see a decrease in nitrogen excretion as the threonine level increased within fiber levels. This indicates that nitrogen was being utilized somewhere in the pig's body. We also see a trend for a decrease in nitrogen excretion in the urine as the fiber level increases. If we move on to the nitrogen excreted in the feces, we see that as fiber level increases, the nitrogen excreted in the feces also increases. This is in line with the trend we saw in the urine data, 
This is because it is typical to see a shift in nitrogen excretion with high-fiber diets from the urine to the feces, and that is because microbiota in the hindgut are able to convert the carbohydrates of the fiber into microbial proteins. Now, if we move on to nitrogen retention, we see decreases in the nitrogen retention as the fiber level of the diet increases. But as we look at the threonine levels within fiber levels, we see that as the threonine levels increase, there is an increase in the nitrogen retention. And this increase in nitrogen retention is presumably due to the fact that the increased threonine is bringing those animals closer to their requirement. If we take a look at the digestibility of nitrogen in these animals, we see that as the fiber level increases, we see a sharp decline in the digestibility of nitrogen. Now, unfortunately, because the calculation for nitrogen retention does not take into account the digestibility of nitrogen, our interpretation of the nitrogen retention data is made somewhat more complicated. In order to accommodate for this, we calculated the biological value of nitrogen. This is essentially the nitrogen retention corrected for the apparent total tract digestibility of nitrogen. So these results display two things in a clearer way than our nitrogen retention numbers. One, as the NDF level of the diets increased, the biological value of nitrogen was reduced. And two, as the threonine level of the diets increased within fiber level, the biological value of nitrogen was increased. Now what needs to be mentioned here is that the maximum biological value of nitrogen within each level of fiber decreases as the fiber level increases. And this is most likely the result of reduced nitrogen digestibility as the fiber levels increased. It is possible that other amino acids or other nutrients became at least co-limiting with threonine. So in summary, we see from this data that urinary output of nitrogen decreased as the SID threonine to lysine ratio increased. We also see that fecal output of nitrogen increased as the SID threonine to lysine ratio increased. And then finally, we saw that the retention of nitrogen and the biological value of that nitrogen increased as the SID threonine to lysine ratio increased within NDF level. So combined, the results of these experiments indicate that the optimal SID threonine to lysine ratio is greater in pigs fed high NDF diets than in pigs fed low NDF diets. And therefore, to maximize performance, the concentration of threonine should be increased when NDF level of the diet is increased. And with that, I would like to acknowledge a sponsor for this study, Ajinomoto Heartland, for their generous support. And I'd also like to thank my lab mates for their support throughout this experiment. And I'd like to remind you that if you're interested in this data and would like to see more of it, please visit our website at nutrition.ansci.illinois.edu. Thank you for your attention.